on guard. Pray. Ale. Welcome to the Tokyo 2020 Fencing Podcast. And Dave, today's episode is all about Epe. That's right, Bash. We've had four events uh, as part of the Epe qualification season. Uh, most recently, the World Championships in Budapest. Yeah, so we're going to start with the situation in the women's epee discipline and then we'll move on to the men's epee discipline afterwards. We've had four events and topping the pile for the teams in the women's epee discipline is China, followed by Russia, Poland and the USA. And if Olympic qualification was today, those four teams would automatically qualify for the Olympic Games. Picking up the zonal spots, top of the pile is Italy, who pick up the European zonal spot, followed by South Korea, who take the Asian spot. Pan Am spot is taken by Canada. Uh, Good situation for them with the USA in the top four. And Egypt, well, they pick up the African spot, but they are ranked 16th. Dave, let's start by focusing on that top four. China, Russia, Poland, and the United States. Just had the World Championships. How's things looking? Yeah, so new world champion, uh, new world number one, and uh, top of the pile is China. Kizo Bri runs a tight ship there, and yeah, again, a very, very impressive win. I think that they've got to be happy with that. And yeah, again, closely followed by uh, by Russia, who uh, couldn't quite get over them in the uh, in the final. But again, silver silver medal, double points on offer, means that they've they've put a pretty firm stranglehold on uh, on the top of the women's epee. It gets, uh, it gets a bit tighter below that. I think Poland probably didn't have the best day in Budapest, I think finishing eight, but they've had a really strong start to the season. They're European champions. They uh, they won the first World Cup of the season in Dubai. So at the moment, as it stands, that's more than enough to keep them in the top four. And I think probably a good chance they'd be there all around. They're a very strong team. And then uh, and then yeah, as you say, the USA starting starting to come good. I mean, this is a very experienced team. Uh, Hurley sisters and and Cat Holmes figureheads really in the sport and especially in the teams. And whilst they couldn't repeat uh, World Championship success like they had um, last year in 2018, they uh, fifth place finish in Budapest gets them inside the. Uh, Gets him inside the top four. So, look, China and uh, the, well, he's, he's mind, got the Midas touch, hasn't he, Hugh Zobri? It's taken him a couple of seasons, uh, but China looking very, very strong. Of those four, uh, I think you alluded to a couple of the teams staying up there, you think. I mean, come April 2020, do you think all those four are going to be in the top four? I think of the weapons is probably, um, I mean, for Epe, which, as we all know, anything can happen. I think it's a pretty stable top four. I mean, I think China's a shoe in they're, they're, they're so strong and so consistent. And, and likewise with Russia, there's, there's a pedigree there. These, these girls are qualifiers, they're winners, they'll do very well. It's very competitive, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, come, come April we saw those four teams in the top four. And just uh, we talked about China and the the Hughes Obrey effect and, and how it's coming to fruition right now and the, what they're a solid uh, nearly thirty points ahead of Russia in second place. But there's been a bit of a changing of the guard since uh, the, the last Olympic Games in Rio within that Russian team. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So um, you know, no uh, no Tatiana Loganova. I mean, a big loss, but uh, I mean, certainly one of the statesmen. States into the sport. I don't think you can expect these athletes to continue forever. And I think she might have wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few to be honest. Really like in Kadyplitsi, you couldn't you couldn't keep her away. Um, but there's another Tatiana in the Russian team, Gudkova, who's got a proven record as a junior. And and another and and Andrushina as well, Tatiana Andrushina, who's so strong and feels like you know has been in the sport for for a decade. I mean, the depth is is truly exceptional, and they've got some very strong juniors and. Um, and, and sort of young young offences as well that are outside the team but still consistently in the places. It's, um, I think we'll see Russian uh, women's epee teams uh, as a strong force for, for years to come. 
Well, look, I'm with you. I think China and Russia, uh, I'm not going to call them shoo-ins, but I, I think they're going to be in that top four. Uh, I think that you've alluded to the experience on the USA team. I, I think you're right, that will come through uh, you know, for the rest of the qualification period, which finishes in April next year. I'm not so sure about the up-and-down performances we've seen so far from Poland. So, look, let's, let's move on and, and look at the European zone, because there's one additional spot for each of the zones, currently occupied by Italy in fifth place, but they're only 20 points behind Poland. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's one event that you can catch that up. And I think, personally, it's great to see the Italian women's FA team coming good. I mean, controversially, they didn't qualify four years ago for Rio, which meant that Mara Navaria didn't go to the Olympic Games despite winning two Grand Prix that season. You know, you look at the, the star-studded lineup of Italian women's FA, you feel like they have to be at the Olympic Games. And I think the interesting thing as well is they have been tinkering with the team. So they did have Alice Clerici in the team event, but she didn't fence the individual. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what... Um, Sandra Cuomo and his uh, and his tacticians are doing there, and 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 what makeup that team's going to have over the season. But bronze medal in Budapest—that's a lot of points. And of course, um, you mentioned Fiamingo. She's a, yeah, a double world champion. She's a big game fencer. Absolutely, but you know, has had a pretty tough time in the individuals. And I mean, Epe is difficult, as everybody knows. The quality is very high. You can fence very well and still lose and lose early. I think um, the, the way it stands at the moment, to get to get some of these, these superstars to the Olympic Games, it's going to have to be through the team event. Look, whilst I've said that, I think Poland's may, you know, so there's still a question mark over whether they'll stay there. If you then start to look down the list, uh, the next best European team is Ukraine on 127 points. And just remember, Italy are on 160, Poland on 180. That gap looks quite big. It it does, and there becomes um you know fewer and fewer opportunities to to catch those those up. So I know there's another four team events to come. You're now starting to to open up a a material gap. You, what you'd really need to see from Ukraine, Estonia, France is you're going to need to see medals, and you're going to need to see gold or silver coloured coloured medals. And when you've got strong teams like leading the pack with the China and and Russia, and I mean let alone some of the other teams that you're used to seeing in the medals, it becomes increasingly unlikely. So, look, it's an interesting time, and uh, you've got to say that uh, both Poland and Italy are going to be the happiest. Uh, they sit in uh, automatic qualification for Poland and in the automatic European spot for Italy, and they've got a big gap on the trailing pack, so that's going to make it all the more interesting for the individuals that make up those teams from uh, Ukraine, Estonia, France, and even even Germany in 10th place. Let's move on to Asia, though, and uh, that zonal spot, the extra spot for Asia, goes to South Korea. I'm, I'm actually surprised to see South Korea so far down the list, to be honest. They're, again, a team full of names that you would recognise and, you know, knowing the circuit quite well, you know, they normally, you know, would be, be my top three of, of women's epee teams. But, again, haven't had the easiest time of it. It is, it is a tricky discipline. But with China so so strong I don't see how they don't qualify for the Olympic Games if you're looking at their next rival in Asia is, is Hong Kong that's 55 points away as it stands and I think that's only going to grow there would be I mean of those teams that could possibly make a push for the top four Korea's got to be got to be up there and being considered but you know if they can't if they can't quite manage that then then they've got that Asian journal place locked up so look the situation for Europe and Asia not completely predictable but looking pretty good for the teams already in the spot that's not the case for the Pan-American and the African zone. At the moment, it's Canada sitting in that Pan-American spot. And the reason I say it's not looking so clear 
uh, for Canada is because they need the USA to stay in the top four. It's an interesting one for the Canadian team, and they, uh, they have a lot to think about. So they didn't have a great start to the season. They lost to Brazil in the zonal championships, which cost them a fair amount of points, but had a much better Budapest, so making the top 16 where Brazil lost their first round, and that was a material amount of point difference. So that's the first thing they need to do is, is be ahead of Brazil, which they're doing a good job of that so far. But yeah, as you rightly say, they also need the USA to be in the top four, which is, is not a certainty. So it's, uh, it's a funny time for Canada. They both need to be you know, cheering for their own team and cheering for the USA at every at every event going forward. So, I mean, lots, lots, lots to think about there, and, you know, they've, they've got a good team. If they just keep making 16s and hope the USA pick up, a, you know, one or two medals in the next four competitions, that's probably enough to get them to the, the Olympic Games. So a slightly different dynamic yeah. uh, for the Pan-American zone. And it's another uh, kettle of fish uh, for, for the uh, African zone. Uh, Egypt are sitting in that qualification spot for Africa at the moment but they are only just in the top 16, and you have to be in the top 16 come April 2020. I mean, it goes without saying is they need to be making the top 16 going forward. Obviously, they get a lot of points from their African championships, but that's about it. And I'm not sure at the moment if Egypt do have that consistency to make regular 16s. And if you're not making regular 16s, you're not finishing in the top 16. And that does open up an extra qualification place if they do drop out. Or as it stands, a whole bunch of uh, European teams looking to to snap up that place. So, you know, that's that's the interesting dynamic when we start looking at these extra zonal spots and, and, and the relevance of having to be in the top 16 all of a sudden things will start looking a little bit rosier for Ukraine, Estonia, France and Germany. And if you like, those four are in a bit of a tussle uh, to, to get themselves above all the other teams. Yeah, it looks like a four-way, um, at the moment, as it stands, it looks like a four-way place for that, um, that extra position. But who knows? Egypt may pull off a couple of good results. There's still time to go. Absolutely right. So that's the women's EPE team situation as things stand. Um, how does that make things look uh, with regards to this adjusted Olympic ranking and the additional spots available through individual qualification. Yeah, so it's a fairly, I'd say, conventional set of teams that we've got qualified here. The obvious question will be is what if it looks like if, if Egypt don't qualify, and so you would potentially remove a, another nation from the adjusted ranking, most likely European at this stage. Yeah, and that does make for an interesting dynamic for those fences in those four chasing European teams because they're going to be having one eye on being the top best of the rest in Europe, and then the fences are going to have another eye on individual qualification. Look, as we look at it today, uh, the Pan-American zonal spot, the one Pan-American zonal spot, goes to Natalie Mulhausen from Brazil, uh, formerly from Italy, but now fencing for Brazil, as she did at the Rio Olympic Games. And uh, she won the World Championship, so she's going to be pretty pleased at the moment, and she sits right at the top. It's Kong Man Wei Vivian from Hong Kong who takes one of the Asian spots, and you have to go all the way down to number 33 on the adjusted Olympic rankings to find the other Asian qualifier, and that's Miho Yoshimura from Japan. So uh, the host nation will be pleased that she's sitting in that spot. The European zonal spots are picked up by France's Coraline Vitali and Elena Krivitska from Ukraine, and it's Sarah Bezbez from Tunisia who picks up the one African spot. We can't really talk too much about this right now but uh, your thoughts uh, having had the world championships. Yeah it's sort of it's a it's a tale of, of, of two zones isn't it so you could say that uh, I mean that incredible win by Natalie Mulhausen in Budapest has booked her a, a return flight to Tokyo next year. Um, that done you think it's done? Oh that's over. 
that's over. I think, uh, I mean, even if USA drop out of the top four, there's no Canadian individual that could challenge, and then, you know, on the unlikely event that Brazil have a sterling event in the teams, I mean, but there's even a question, would she even fence the teams anymore? I think we'll see that coming the new season. Oh, she's, yeah. So far ahead, it's it's a foregone conclusion. And you know, likewise is um, uh, Sarah Bespes from Tunisia in Africa. Again, no one, no one's there really challenging. We have to go all the way down to uh, a couple of Egyptians, isn't it? Gabba and uh, Nunu. Yeah, exactly. So it's um, and again, most of those points are from the African Championships. As I see it, Sarah's the only fencer that can really get to that the pointy end of the tableau at uh, at world level events. And I spoke to her coach Daniel Lavavasseur. Uh, earlier on uh, in the season that's just finished and she's recovering from an injury and that's, she's taken a little, not just a little bit of a physical knock but a bit of a mental knock. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I've been referring to Sarah for years. It's, um, she's a, on a day, she's a phenomenal fencer. I think she can, she could actually not just qualify for the Olympic Games, it has a real chance for a medal there. So I think given that she's got the results needed, it would be great for her to actually just focus on her physical and mental well-being to put her in the best position to achieve well at the Games and and what about Europe then? So it's interesting that the two European fences that we have in the uh, in the European places are both from nations that could be up for, for grabs in this uh, extra place position if, if Egypt fall out. I'd say that the obvious beneficiary from an additional European uh, qualifier would be um, Anna Popescu, who is you know has been in the sport longer than longer than much longer than I have. And well, um, she sits outside that spot at the moment. Currently so sits outside of it. She's looking at Vitaly from France and Kravitska from Ukraine to at least one of them to get their team qualified. And you'd argue she has the quality to get there. She's a regular GP and, and World Cup medalist. So I'd say, you know, if the gap is only 11 points up to uh, Kravitska, that's not a lot. That, that's one competition on the podium. So, but um, clearly, if she can, uh, if we can get one more of those teams qualified, then that makes life a lot easier. Interesting time for Estonia at the moment. There, there seems to be a, a bit of a transition or some changing of the guard uh, within the team, but it's, it's, it's had an effect on their performance. It's Katrina Lehis, who's the other European in contention uh, with uh, Marie-France, Candesimi of France, just behind her. Uh, chances for Estonia in that gaggle of four teams? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, all, every, every one of their fences is, is uh, well-known on the circuit. As a team, they're very strong. You know, they're in a position where Erika Kerpu didn't didn't fence, so she's the fifth uh, fifth Estonian, which which tells you tells you everything you need to know. There are there are four very very strong fences um, with three or four other fences in their squad that you you that every that every team would want to have available to them. I think they'll certainly be the ones to watch. Well, there you have it. That's uh, the women's team and individual qualification. Uh, situation as it stands after the World Championships in Budapest. So now we're going to turn our attention to the men's epi. And again, we'll start with the uh, team situation. Just remember, so far in qualification, we've had the Cali Grand Prix and the Paris World Cup, plus the Zonal Championships and the World Championships. Now, I mentioned that for a reason, Dave. There's a difference between the Olympic qualification standings at this current time and right the way through until Olympic qualification is done and the official FIE world rankings. Yeah, so if you go to the FIE website and you click ranking, you are going to see the rolling ranking, and that's really simple, that the competitions drop on and off after every event. And that's very useful because it defines your seedings, and especially the individuals who's in the top 16 and get their buys and etc. What we're really only interested in is competitions that count for the Olympic season, and so that's our April to April. So if, you've got a, if you want a competition in March, 
of this year. Doesn't count. It's gonna look. It's gonna make your world ranking look yeah. real good. But you know, in terms of actually getting to the Olympic Games, doesn't have any effect at all. Yeah. So just to be clear, what we've basically had is we've had uh, two sort of regular season events uh, in both the women's and the men's epee. Uh, in terms of the men's epee, the Cali Grand Prix and the uh, Paris World Cup plus the Zonal Championships and the World Championships from the 2018-19 season. And now we're going to take a chunk of events at the beginning of the 2019-2020 season that will count towards this Olympic qualification that everyone's chasing. So, uh, the situation with the, the men's teams is uh, we have to start with the teams because that helps us uh, look at the individuals afterwards. Uh, France sitting top of the pile uh, from Switzerland in second place. And in fact, it's a, it's a, a, a four-way shootout in the top four for Europe because Ukraine and Russia sit in third and fourth places. The additional spot for the Asian zone goes to China. Uh, the additional European spot goes to Italy. They'll be pleased about that with four other teams in the top four at the moment, but they will be chasing for sure. Uh, and then it's the United States who pick up the Pan Am spot and Morocco clinging to the top 16 take the African spot. So Dave, let's just look at that top four again. Um, you've got to say France are, and they're very, very likely to not only be in the top four, but probably number one when we get round to the end of Olympic qualification. Yeah. Yeah, world champions generally does a pretty good job of getting you there. I saw a statistic, world champions for the 20th time in men's wow. teams, which is staggering. So they're all very happy about that. I think I think it's great for, for, for the French team. I mean, especially as probably their individual results haven't quite been where they want them to be. Um, so when we jump over to the individual, we won't be, uh, we won't be looking at too many French names at the top. So I, certainly... One way to make sure that you're you're going to be in Tokyo if you're not if you're not performing quite as you'd like in the in the individual events is to is to do well in teams and and, and they really do know how to operate as a team and I mean, oh. hence the twentieth title obviously is, is, is a bit a bit too obvious to say but they that it's so important as a unit even if you're not necessarily doing well individually to know how to work with your teammates especially in FA yeah. when you kind of need to keep it tight throughout and they've also got another interesting dynamic with a returning athlete absolutely yeah Daniel Geron back uh, which is I mean hugely strengthens their team he's a he's a monstrous athlete absolutely world class yeah a brilliant uh, return for Daniel Geron and that's uh, strengthened that strong team even further absolutely they're um they're they're a phenomenal side second place Switzerland um Bags of character in that team, uh, and quite a good performance uh, over the first four qualifying events. Absolutely, yeah. So winning, winning in Paris. I was actually lucky enough to referee that final, which was a lot of fun. Um, they let you referee finals. Don't oh, they? I know. <laughs> one day, one day I'll get there. Um, and then, yeah, bronze, bronze in Budapest. They're, yeah, they have more energy than than I think they know what to do with. They're, you know, and an interesting. You have three very different fences as well. It must be a very hard team defence. Well, bags of energy, but there's one fencer in particular that uh, well, doesn't mind playing the long game. Yeah, so it's a uh, fencing internet influencer, Max Heinzer. Phenomenal athlete, as likely to score 15 touches in a, in a relay as one. Um, he will use the clock, he'll use the rules. We're not in this uh, podcast going to be going into the in-depth uh, analysis of particular matches and particular fights, but I think it's quite crucial now we're talking about Switzerland to talk about the new, well not so new, non-combativity rule. Can you just briefly explain how that works before I ask you the question about Switzerland? Yeah, so if you're, if you're losing all your level on, on points and there's been a minute without a touch, uh, you get penalised. And long story short, it can cost you warnings, hits and eventually 
elimination, but basically that can only happen four times in a relay before you start getting knocked out. So you need fences now need to get on with it. They need to hurry up. And that, in some respects, has had a more of an effect in the team matches than and than in the individuals. It has it has had an effect on individuals as well, and we've seen that in the fencing. But when we talk about a team like Switzerland, and there are others, I'm not. I'm only picking on Switzerland because they sit number two in the Olympic qualification as things stand. But they don't mind playing that long game, or they didn't mind playing that long game. The change of rules doesn't give them that flexibility anymore. Absolutely, no. It's 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 certainly. I think the the, the best thing about the new com, new non-combativity rules is how they've affected the team events. I mean, I could count numerous events where we would have five or six matches in the middle, just zero zero, salute, get on with it. You know, not wanting defence, which was ludicrous. You'd have a team match that lasted 15 minutes. So now all the athletes have to fence. There's no, there's no hiding. You know, you can't decide, well, I've just had enough of this. Or, and then also you can't just wait till the end and, and risk it all on, on the last minute or the last touch. Every fencer now has to fence every other fencer. So where you say maybe Switzerland traditionally maybe had a weaker third fencer, they've now really, they have to be involved. They have to be involved every, every single fight, which actually they've been doing very well. Um, I've got to say I'm a big fan. I I I, I said right at the beginning when non competition came out and there was the everyone saying yes and everyone else saying no. I, I said, well, let's give it a try. Let's see yeah. how. And I like it. I think it's really worked. And uh, we've seen uh, some interesting uh, matches both in individuals yeah. and teams. But look, let's uh, let's complete our discussion about this top four in the men's epo discipline. Ukraine and Russia split by uh, six points, just six points between them. It's an interesting one because Russia are just one point ahead of China in fifth. At the moment, all three of those teams will qualify, but you've got to say there's quite a lot of pressure. Let's first talk about those two European teams, Ukraine and Russia. They're definitely going to want to stay in the top four. Yeah, it was almost the story of the uh, of the day in, in Budapest was was the silver medal won by by Ukraine, and they're they're an interesting team. You know, a bit of Bit of youth, plenty of experience. Another character. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Savitskar is obviously the young young man on the uh, on the team who's really only come into the forefront in in, in the last year or two. And then obviously a huge amount of experience with uh, Nikishin and uh, the, yeah, the big man. man. Yeah, uh, Nikishin and and uh, and Hiri as well. And you know these boys have been in the sport for twenty plus years and. And, and know their way around um, an, a men's epee team match. And if anything, Nikishin's getting better and better. He's phenomenal. I don't know how people hit him. He's just gigantic and, and has an incredible persona on the piece. He's one of those guys that's a bit smiley in the in the call room. But if, as soon as he walks out, you know, he's gets almost angry and irritable a true and warrior, yeah. yeah it's 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 phenomenal so i mean that's 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 great news russia a bit unhappy uh losing to china in the last eight uh they also didn't have a particularly good day at the first world cup of the season in paris bounced out by a better day at the european championships so it's enough to stay in the top four but i think they would probably where we are in the season they'd like to be a little bit further ahead some youngsters on that team though in particular i'm thinking of uh, glasskopf and of course Bida has had uh, great world championships yeah, they both done, both of those two have done quite well, um, quite well individually. Uh, Nikita Glaskov got a, a silver medal in um, in, in Paris. Bida, obviously, we'll talk about later. Got uh, got the uh, got the silver medal in Budapest. Plenty of experience. They've been they've been around for a while, but they're not they're not necessarily the old men of the sport. So we t- we've talked about those top four. Um, any apart from France, we've already said we think France are going to stay out there. What about the other three, Switzerland, Ukraine, Russia? When we get to April 2020, do you see any or all of those teams still in the top four? I think Switzerland's got to be in the top four. The others, the men's epee teams, 
could be anything. <laughs> it's it's really competitive, isn't it? Look, I think we we've done this. Uh, we've talked about how we how we do our format. I think here because we've got two European teams sitting in those third and fourth spots and not necessarily uh, confirmed, cemented in. Let's take a look at uh, the situation with the European teams. Italy sitting in seventh place in the uh, Olympic rankings are uh, the top European team outside the top four, so currently sitting in that spot. Chances of them go look, there's only nine points between them and Russia. I mean, that's that's a pretty small gap. It's it's a funny one, because I think they they won't be happy. <laughs> no. Um, what Italian team no, is no, no. happy unless they're <laughs> number one in the world? No, exactly. And you know, losing to to Ukraine in the in the, in the top eight. That's a match I think they probably think they should have won. It's almost that all the European teams above them did very well. Yeah. Getting medals, big points. Yeah. And almost all the teams below them didn't do very well. So opened up a bit of a gap with Hungary, and then I'm looking at the guys that did well. Denmark did very well in the European Championships, didn't have the best day. Israel didn't have a particularly good European Championships, but had a much better World Championships. Like, there's no one really behind them, perhaps hungry aside, that's chasing particularly hard. So, what I could... I just want to jump in there, Dave. Um, I'm not going to go into this. I'm just going to say, if you want to watch an interesting match uh, that plays out the, non, the new non-combativity rules, have a look at uh, Israel's last placings match that's, at the World Championships. It was against Japan, wasn't it? Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, that was, in, sorry, that anyway. was incredible. Um, yeah, Italy did fine. And with four European teams in the top four... Fine is enough. If we start getting an Asian team up there spoiling the party, then we're in a different scenario. But again, that comes back to what's happening with this African place as well. Right, okay. So look, you see, let's, let's do, deal with one thing at a time here, Dave. <laughs> deal with one thing at a time. This is where the Asian zonal situation starts to affect the European zonal situation and vice versa, as you've alluded to. So let's move on to Asia. Uh, China and South Korea sitting in fifth and sixth. So China picking up the, uh, the additional Asian zonal spot, but they're just one point, as I said, behind Russia and, what, just seven points behind uh, Ukraine in third. China have got a really good chance of jumping into the top four, but so are South Korea, who are just four points behind Ordinarily, I'd expect at least one Asian team in the top four. Korea haven't started the season particularly well. See, China have probably overperformed, beating Russia in the eight, ultimately finishing fourth. I mean, another great result by uh, by Uzobri. So, I mean, to see to see Korea outside qualification places, and and to be honest, given how well the Japanese individual fences uh, have been doing, to see them falling away as well means that you know there's a lot of fences here that are in danger of not qualifying for the Olympic Games. So an interesting situation, not only within the European zone and within the Asian zone, but also the tussle uh, for those top four places between the two zones. Slightly different situation when you look down to the next uh, zonal qualifier, and that's the United States uh, picking up the Pan Am spot. And the reason why I say that, Dave, is that uh, they chased 20, 30-odd points ahead of Cuba. And to be honest... I'm not sure the Cuban Federation have enough money to send enough fences to enough events to really challenge the United States. Yeah, absolutely. They got upset at uh, the Pan Am Championships. You know, Cuba are Pan Am champions, beating the USA in the final. USA had a better day at the World Championships. Yeah, unfortunately, you're just not going to see... Uh, you're unlikely to see uh, as strong a push as you could possibly uh, have because, yeah, the funding the funding's just not there and you've got you know, a bunch of great athletes that, that unfortunately can't push for the Olympics. Um, which is which is a real shame. Uh, so it looks like, I mean, as it stands, there's there's no one really challenging the US. 
So the Pan Am zone uh, looks like it's sealed up, and I can't really see the USA jumping into the top four, but they'll qualify uh, through that additional zonal spot for the Pan Americas. Now we've got another situation with an African team just clinging on to uh, the top 16 spot, and that's Morocco, who currently sit in the African zonal spot. Do you see them staying there? So this is this is the interesting one. So this is so Morocco beating Egypt at the African Championships really threw the cat amongst the pigeons because. Normally in men's epe, it's it's Egypt's struggle to make the 16. I mean, it's an unbelievable result. Morocco, African champions. But I don't... I tried to look it up. I don't think they've ever made a top 16 in men's epe teams. And I went back 10 years. So that's going to be a challenge. I know they've got some new athletes. I think a couple of them are training in Paris. Um, they may be, may be living in Paris full-time. Just to clarify this, they're probably going to need to make at least two 16s to stay in that minimum three I'd say Uh, so that's hard work and so do you think Egypt are going to bounce back I think without your African without your full points for winning your African championships it's going to be very hard for Egypt to do that either so I mean if I I was a betting man I would say that that we will get an extra place available and okay so now Africa uh, by virtue of not qualifying a team uh, now start to have an effect on Asia and Europe. So if any of those top four drop out, and we think France and Switzerland are going to stay in there, so if Ukraine and Russia drop out of the top four, uh, China, South Korea, Italy just behind them, Japan just behind them, uh, someone's going to benefit big time. Yeah, absolutely. So at the moment, that would obviously fall to South Korea as the highest team not qualified, but that could easily become Italy, for example. So if Russia dropped out of the four, creating that, becoming the European place then Italy would be the team not qualified and taking that spot so I think it would be I mean it's definitely a positive for, for these larger teams chasing I guess the real question is what's the makeup of the top four going to look like well that remains to be seen uh, but that is the team situation as it stands today uh, so how does that affect our individual adjusted Olympic rankings well um, Hungary will be pleased they're outside of uh, the team qualification spot but uh, Gagelis closely uh, is sitting on top of the adjusted Olympic uh, rankings. And he's joined uh, with the additional European spot going to Baz Vavayan of the Netherlands. It's uh, Masaru Yamada of Japan who picks up the first Asian spot, and uh, it's Park Sang-yong from Korea who takes the second Asian spot. The Pan American spot goes to Ruben Lamado Gascon. Remember him from London 2012? He did pretty well. And it's Ahmed El Sagir from Egypt who picks up the African zonal spot. Early days again, uh, but your thoughts as things stand? I mean, Hungary not having representation in men's EPE team, uh, they'll be pleased with Sikosi's recent results. Absolutely, yeah. So that 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 puts uh, that puts Sikosi to the top of the pile. Amazing what what all those points that our world championships can do. Uh, and if they can't if they can't get their team up over the line, and it seems like that's probably a big ask at this stage, then at least uh, at least they're going to have one fencer at the Olympics. But being chased, I have to say, by Andrea Santarelli, uh, who sits second, just three points behind. So that starts having... We have to look at now team and individual rankings at the same time. Absolutely. And so I think that's what... Um, that's what Baz, uh, sitting in uh, in the second European place, is going to be worried about because, you know, in terms of Europe, he's got Italians, Russians and Ukrainians ahead of him alongside Ciclosi. So you're going to have to have a real good idea of what the team makeup's going to going to look like before you could even think about it. But of the countries not qualified, yeah, Ciclosi, Basville Island, and interestingly, European champion uh, Yuval Frelick is, is only four points behind Baz. 
importantly, outside of the top 16 in the world, so has to battle his way through pools every event, which doesn't make it easy. No, I, I guess it doesn't, but I've got to say, that uh, result from uh, the Israeli at the European Championships made history. First uh, Israeli to win a, a European individual Menzepe title, um, and it was a great day for them, so maybe that will give him a boost going into the rest of Olympic qualification. Started fencing in Australia as well, would you believe? Yeah, had to move clearly from that continent to get <laughs> decent sparring. Only joking, Australia. I love you all. Um, okay, look, let's we'll swiftly move on to uh, the zone that Australia have to qualify, and then uh, and that's Asia. Lovely. Yeah. So uh, the most the most remarkable thing is is how well individual Japanese fencers have done. So with Yamada taking the first place, but but closely followed by by world number one uh, Minobe. And then slightly behind him, uh, Uyama as well. I mean, I've got three Japanese fencers in uh, my my adjusted ranking, which is astonishing. That team's got to come good at some point. They're all very strong. They're hosting the Olympic Games. I mean, that's a dark horse, I think, that could, could really shake up the table. But as it stands, only one would qualify through the individual route. And look, um, just, to, just, to, 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 just to highlight that, you said the world number one, Kazuyasu Minobe, is... He's not qualified. Yeah. Yamada's ahead of him. Right. So th- there is a situation here where Japan could pick up a team's place. Right. So th- let's just assume that's not going to happen. Yep. Surely a couple of those host nation spots are going to go to a couple of Japanese oh, men's efforts. Almost certainly. Absolutely. But, you know, Japan not going to want to necessarily want to use those on... On, on men's epe, you know, they'd like to think that that would be an event where they'd have a reasonable chance of qualifying a team. just hasn't quite come together as yet. I mean, long way to go, as we keep saying. But, um, yeah, that's sort of, that's where it stands. And then, and then obviously, as you'd expect, with no career qualified as a team, then we've got to have our Olympic champion as Park Sang-yong. Takes the other place, uh, which, again, leaves an astonishing number of Korean fences not... Uh, not qualified. Well, I think that it's just too early to yeah. uh, start calling these things. But, I mean, it's, it's interesting to point them out. But uh, interesting, uh, Pan Am's situation uh, looking pretty good for uh, Olympic medalist from London 2012, Ruben Lomardo Gascon. Uh, he's been through the wars, I think you'd have to say. Serious injury. And then uh, he got uh, malaria and was out for a long time. But uh, he seems to be coming back to some of his best form. Yeah, looks looks very strong. I don't think there's any 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 real challenges. I mean, well, he's been chased down by his brother. Isn't yes. He? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, yeah, Ru- Ruben's got Ruben's got the ticket there, which which makes sense. I mean, he would be clearly clearly the strongest um, men's athlete out of out of the Pan Am zone. And um, if you look at uh, Africa, so just to close the circle, if you like, uh, it's a bit of a uh, three way fight for the Egyptians uh, with uh, Ahmed Al-Sagir at the moment sitting top of the park. I, I can see that one changing. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the real question is if, that, if, that, um, if, if the uh, Moroccan team event falls out, then, uh, then we do have uh, Hussam El-Khord uh, sitting up on, uh, ahead of uh, Al-Sagir on, on my rankings. So, but then the gap is only, uh, only about five points. So again, that's one result at a... At, uh, it's very at tight. a competition, so yeah, I mean anything could happen there, and um, yeah, it's just twenty odd points between three or four athletes in yeah. Africa, and that's uh, that's not a done deal. But I think we are going to be looking at one African uh, male epist at uh, Tokyo Olympic Games. Ah, uh, absolutely, and then plus plus their uh, plus their extra from the uh, from the zonal qualifier. But yeah, only uh, yeah, if we, if we lose Morocco from the teams, which at this stage seems pretty likely, um, then then it's going to be a uh, it's going to be one 
fencer on that adjusted ranking that gets to go. Well, there we go. That's the men's Epe. In fact, that's all of Epe covered uh, as things stand after the World Championships. Dave, thank you very much for your insight. Uh, what's coming up in episode three? I think we're going to have a look at some foil, aren't we, Bash? We certainly are. Thanks very much for joining us and do come back for episode three where it'll be all foil. Thank you.